Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs from Future Tech Podcast. Today, I have a guest that I've wanted to interview for a long time, a hero of mine for many years, uh, Tom Sackey, founder and CEO of TerraCycle. Uh, TerraCycle specializes in recycling uh, extremely hard to normally recycle uh, composite materials like juice pouches um, and I believe number seven plastics. Is that right, Tom? Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, um, you know, TerraCycle yeah. today, we're um, in, gosh, I think 21 countries around the world, and we recycle hundreds of waste streams, um, everything from things like juice pouches to cigarette butts, femme hygiene products. I mean, you name it, anything that you can't put in your recycling bin, we typically have some answer for. And You know, I read, um, I think, your first book years ago, and I believe you started out trying to uh, do an earthworm project. You know, had, Tell listeners how you first got involved in uh, thinking about recycling. Absolutely. Um, TerraCycle uh, started actually, uh, you know, our entire purpose, uh, that's, which has never changed, has always been around how do we eliminate the idea of waste? Because waste is, you know, a very modern idea that's really come about because of increase of consumerism, uh, consumption, uh, and what we consume being made from really complex materials. And uh, so we first started that uh, journey uh, by uh, trying to make consumer goods out of waste. And our first product ever was liquid worm poop in a used soda bottle. And it actually got pretty good traction. We got it sold at Walmart, Target, Home Depot, I mean, you name it. And it uh, worked, uh, worked quite well. Um, but over time, as that business was growing, we really asked ourselves, are we creating the solution uh, to waste uh, by making products out of waste? And the challenge is, you know, if, you, if you're a product company and you're making goods, you're going to pick the very best raw materials, uh, naturally. And so we were picking the very best types of garbage. And we realized that that wouldn't end up being the solution uh, uh, to things like dirty diapers or cigarette butts, because when would we ever want those as the raw material? So we uh, shifted our model about five years into our business to focus really on the waste as the hero and uh, to think about um, how do we uh, uh, collect different types of waste, process it, and then especially, how do we get uh, a stakeholder to be wanting to cover the bill? So maybe give people perspective on how much waste is generated in the world and how much is recycled and how much is just left in landfills or not used again. Sure. Well, it's a pretty uh, you know, uh, uh, challenging answer in the sense that it's, it's not so positive. Um, you know, overall, we're talking in the billions of tons of waste, you know, probably four or five billion tons per year. Um, of that, 2% or so is globally recycled. 25% or so ends up in our oceans and marine ways, you know, rivers, lakes, uh, that sort of thing. And 73% is either burned or buried, incinerated or landfilled. And that's a really big issue because almost all environmental uh, problems, whether it's waste, whether it's um, air quality, you name it, comes from consumerism. And uh, so you can see how that drives this entire equation, not in a positive way. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's affecting our Earth. Um, you know, there's a huge debate. Unfortunately, I don't even think it should be a debate about, you know, global climate change and, you know, the effect that waste has. Let me ask you about a concept I've heard, um, downcycling versus recycling. Um, can you talk briefly about that and how you guys uh, think about these concepts? 
Sure. So um, actually, it's a coincidence. One of my friends, uh, uh, Bill McDonough, wrote a book called Cradle to Cradle. In that book, he uh, uh, coined two words, uh, upcycling and downcycling. So there's really two definitions of upcycling. I'm going to give you uh, uh, Bill McDonough's, and then I'm going to give you the one we use, which is not the same. In the book Cradle to Cradle, uh, uh, upcycling is when you take a waste stream, say like a plastic from a plastic bottle, and make it better, make it somehow even better than it was before. That's called upcycling. And if you make it uh, into a product that is, uh, you know, that's seen as lower grade plastic, that's called downcycling. In, in his term. The challenge is, and the reason we don't use that definition is I've never actually practically seen upcycling take place. I've never seen a material get better. Um, typically, materials degrade. If you look at paper, you can recycle paper about seven times before the fibers get too short and then you can't make it into paper anymore. Uh, you can recycle plastic, you know, 15 to 35 times. Uh, and, and in that process, the qualities degrade. The only thing I've ever seen being able to be recycled over and over and over are metals. But they're never improved, they're just maintained. So then everything, practically speaking, would be downcycling. Um, the, yeah. the, the way we look at waste is we look at that there's you know, five things you can do with waste. There's reuse, which is just you know, take a pair of shoes, clean them, and use them again. That's reuse. In our version, upcycling, which is the more popular definition, so if you Google the word upcycling, you'll get more of what I'm describing, is um, rethinking the purpose of the waste, like taking juice pouches and sewing them into backpacks or taking candy wrappers and weaving them into purses and hundreds and hundreds of other examples. That's upcycling. And then recycling is where you value the material of an object, uh, which is what it's made from, and just recover that. That would be like taking a cigarette butt, shredding it, taking the uh, ash tobacco paper, composting it, and taking the, um, you know, the filter and making it into a plastic. So what does TerraCycle do? Does it do a mixture of upcycling and recycling? or you know, how That's right. It? So what we don't do is landfill or incinerate. And what we do do is uh, either reuse, upcycle, or recycle. And we do about you know one to five million pounds of waste a week uh, in total of things that were never recyclable before. And I'd say about 1% is reuse, another 1% or so is upcycling, and then about 98% uh, or so is recycling. Very, very interesting. So even though... Um, Recycling certain materials like plastics, you said 15 to 35 times, metals seemingly infinitely, um, other ones less. I mean, we're not even doing that for the majority of waste. So it's not like um, you could say, oh, well, you know, you can only recycle things so many times. I mean, even if we did that for a significant portion of our waste, we would get a lot more material than we currently are. Yeah, are using. Well, that's right, and that's the key. You know, the key right now is we need to think about how to cycle materials and keep them going around in the, in the system versus constantly extracting new ones. And the way to do that is to really get that percentage of recycling up and up and up. Now, there's you know a few ways to do that. One is you know promoting uh, recycling locally of those things that can be recycled. Uh, we have some platforms there, uh, like we uh, recently developed the world's first global recycling database that tells you where you can recycle anything that is recyclable. Um, uh, but all the way to then physically creating opportunities to recycle things that are difficult to recycle. And today, if you go to the TerraCycle website, uh, you should be able to put in almost any object and a recycling solution for it will pop up, um, you know, uh, something really? that we provide or someone else's solution. Wow, that's a really great tool. I didn't know you guys had that. Yeah. Huh. So uh, what are you guys focusing on recycling? Are you looking at the largest components of the waste stream or are you you know, taking on the prideful challenge of recycling the most different, uh, difficult ones? Like, what, how did you make I mean, your choice? 
Yeah, no, it's you know, our choices. Are, it's not really us saying, hey, today we're going to invent this, and then tomorrow we're going to invent that. It's more as our partners come to us, um, they give us challenges, and then we uh, meet those challenges. Like most recently, or uh, not say most recently, but as a recent example, uh, Procter & Gamble came to us and said that they wanted to make a, um, a shampoo bottle, uh, the head and shoulders bottle specifically, out of uh, uh, partly using uh, marine plastic. So there we put together, and uh, just 90 days ago, we launched the world's first shampoo bottle, made 25% from ocean plastic uh, or beach plastic, and uh, that became the largest solution to beach plastic in world history. We actually launched it at the World Economic Forum uh, in Davos. Um, and That's there, awesome. you know, they came to us, right? And they said, can this happen? Um, and there's hundreds of examples like that. We're really sort of, you know, uh, doing it as there is demand or people are interested, and that's what we solve. Did you guys inspire that kind of thinking, or do the big companies have that kind of thinking? Mm-hmm. It seems like you would, you know, a normal person that doesn't ever consider this stuff would think, ah, the big companies just want to make stuff and they don't care, and, you know. Sure. I think it's a blend of two, you know, like with P&G, just to give you that example, um, we we work with them today and gosh, like almost 10 countries doing national recycling platforms. Like here in the U.S., you can uh, recycle your cleaner packaging waste like trigger sprayers and other similar things through our partnership with P&G. Um, and, uh, you know, we do a whole host of other things with them and they, uh, you know, because of all this great work and all the success, uh, they came to us on this, uh, beach plastic idea and we were able to pull it off for them. But bottom line, it, 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 you know, I'd say a lot of the time we're coming to clients with ideas and then at some, in some cases, uh, they, um, they, uh, challenge us, uh, to come up with solutions. Yeah. What are, what are some of the unexpected challenges? I mean, to the layperson, maybe an obvious one is, uh, oh, I don't know how you'd recycle that kind of material just by looking at it. But um, I remember you mentioned in one of your books um, waste being branded or not and companies yeah. being concerned about that. So what are some of the hidden challenges that you guys are running well, Look, the number one key challenge by far is that what makes something not recyclable is not that it can't be, is that it typically costs more to collect and process that waste stream than it's worth. That is by far the issue. So you know, take something like dirty diapers. It costs a lot to transport dirty diapers. It costs a lot to recycle it, and the recovered value is not so high. So the real fundamental challenge is who pays. And it's not just saying, oh, this person should pay or that company should pay. It's getting them to want to pay because it serves their core business. And figuring that out is the entire key challenge to our business. Uh, luckily, we've been able to do that pretty well, but that is the fundamental question we always have to answer. Can you give an example of that, with maybe without naming the company, if you can't, just by uh, a generic product or a use case? Well, I'll give you an example with Dirty Diaper specifically. You know, we're launching Dirty Diaper Recycling with a company uh, in uh, Holland, uh, in uh, Amsterdam specifically, uh, mid-next year. And in that example, uh, the way that they are excited to uh, do it is because it's going to be collected at key retailers uh, and key uh, nurseries who buy lots of diapers, and they're going to be using this as a tool to get better shelf space and, uh, and or getting the nursery to buy their brand versus another brand. That's an example where that sure. it on itself pays the bill many times over. Um, and there's, it's always critical to think about that. You know, uh, we, today, uh, there are TerraCycle recycling programs in close to 100,000 retailers around the world. This is where you walk in, you may see one of our bins. You can put waste into that bin to be recycled, usually specific categories. Like if in the U.S., you could go to Target today and recycle your car seats. You could go to Office Depot and recycle your binders or all the way to Yankee Candle and recycle your, um, you know, candle packaging. And the, the key value this brings, of course, it's really sustainable and wonderful, but it drives foot traffic. 
And that mm. is critical to unlock, because if you do that, then everything gets aligned beautifully. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't realize there's so many uh, ways and interplays, and in, in, it's not just, uh, hey, recycle this because it's good for the environment. There's a lot more to it. That's really surprising. Yeah. Um, have you been able to influence how companies make a product so that it's easier to recycle later? Um, yes, absolutely. We've we've had a chance uh, to uh, 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 you know to influence that. Um, and the more you know, the, the the bigger we get, the longer we've been around, the more and more companies are looking uh, you know uh, to us to give advice. In fact, the fourth book I'm writing, uh, which should be out next year, is exactly on that topic: how to design products into circularity. Um, so that's that's already a key topic, and that book will be co-authored by a number of our partners as well. Yeah, that's kind of the cradle to cradle concept, right? Very much so, but the but it's it's this book is going to be less academic and much more focused on, like for example, do packaging uh, designers know that black plastic will never be recycled? And there's hundreds of other examples like this that many times people don't know. Yeah, what are some of the bugaboos, like the the items, the dream items that you know are thorns in the side of the world and and of recycling that can't be that you would love to tackle? Or that you're working on, you may solve. Well, look, what I'd say is again at TerraCycle we deal with you know everything that's challenging. So what I would more say is what are some of the big macro issues uh, uh, that are out there uh, that people don't realize? It's like black plastic isn't recyclable because in a in a recycling system, a normal recycling system, not a specialty one like TerraCycle, but a normal one, um, you sort plastic through near infrared sorting, and infrared can't bounce off black. Uh, another example mm-hmm. is many times people don't know opaque PET. So PET is a type of plastic, you know, like a soda bottle, and usually it's clear. But if it's solid in color, it uh, today isn't recycled by recyclers because there's not the market value for it. Or dark plastic is much worse and has lower value uh, for recyclers than light plastic or clear plastic. And I could keep rattling off examples, but um, these are not necessarily important for consumers, but much more important for people who are designing products because you might as well design into recyclability. Yeah, well, that makes total sense. Are you getting interest from companies in, um, again, making their products such that they are recyclable? I mean, what about what about a furniture company that uh, designs its products so they, you know, with the intent of them buying it back? Will the no. economics work for that? Well, it's very interesting. So, coincidentally, on furniture, we're actually doing a uh, uh, a big uh, used furniture program with IKEA to recycle any uh, brand of used furniture. So, have some experience in that. With that said, um, on the idea of changing ownership and moving into much more circular models, we're actually developing a new distribution model that should be live next year, where the idea will be creating products that have hyper-durable packaging and can be refilled, and that way moving away from the concept of waste altogether. Well, that's great, yeah. Yeah, no, we're very yeah, excited you know, like about a, that. A, an example from years ago that's still in use in other countries is like soda bottles. You know, they're glass. Well, you exactly. Drink your soda and you'll, you give it but back. But today, you know, like the beverage industry started like that, like glass and reusable bottles, right? And it was, you know, you left it outside, it was refilled and so on. But now it's in cartons, pouches, and so and things that are way less recyclable. And it's how do we get back to that original uh, archetype, but in a modern setting? Hmm. What, you know, what do you think is going to really move the needle? I mean, it, it doesn't sound like depending on consumer behavior and goodwill is going to do it. It sounds like, you know, big companies are going to do it. Like, what do you think are going to be the major drivers? The major driver, I think, is going to be consumers voting for these sort of things. You know, I think companies will come out with them, like we're going to be launching such a platform next year, but it's going to be critical for consumers to vote for it with their money um, versus voting for the normal approach. Because, you know, we vote for objects all the time. Uh, we vote for the life we want by buying things. 
And uh, consumers need to adapt that because that is the most important. Companies can come out with the ideas, but consumers must vote for them. Makes sense, yeah. yeah. And are you are you guys alone in these endeavors? I've I've never heard of a company that thinks like this, that does what you do. Are there? I mean, is there anyone else out there that does this? Um, not directly, uh, you know, what TerraCycle does. Um, uh, we haven't seen any direct competition, but there are some interesting, you know, companies, uh, you know, that are thinking about circular economy and so on, um, but not uh, not um, uh, anything uh, that's a direct competitor to us. Oh, so you're, all right, so you're calling it, uh, some of the language you're using, so you're calling it like a circular economy or designing products to be used in cycles instead of just straight line from, you know, manufacturing to use to throwing in the garbage. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, Are so we really that believe that in, uh, yeah, so the circular economy is a critical sort of word in this case. And it's how do you keep cycling materials? Because if you cycle materials, you many times don't even have to worry about, um, you know, if you can cycle them, you don't have to worry about what they're made from as much. If you don't cycle them, then everything becomes critically uh, uh, important. When you try to recycle something and repurpose it, reuse it, or, you know, change it and recycle it, um, does the law support you doing that? I know it depends oh, by country, yeah. but... It, it generally does. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so there's not laws that make it really difficult to recycle stuff because the legal, you know, it can't be reused or, you know, the um, <clears throat> the requirement on the material is so high that it can never be reused. Do you run into that? It's very rare. Very rare. So I, I wouldn't say practically it's a challenge. Oh, that's good to hear. That's, that's surprising. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it sounds like... Um, the market you're in, I mean, is is unbelievably huge, the scale of it. Um, how do you guys grow and how do you choose what to work on? It seems like there's a thousand things you could do. Well, you know, again, it has to do with client interest. Uh, we really focus on where there is active interest today in a certain waste stream and someone's really willing to uh, get involved. That, to us, is the critical uh, sort of test point, if you will. Um, and then from there, um, you know, we uh, look at is it feasible and uh, and then get involved, you know. But we're really driven by where there's interest from uh, stakeholders who are willing to become financially involved. And what do you think are going to be the um, the top few metrics that are going to show progress in the next you know, five or 10 years, what do you think the big uh, uh, needle moves will be? Well, I think, you know, the the, the key changes I, I, I think that will happen is, um, you know, uh, hopefully new models of distribution, which give consumers the choice to be able to uh, uh, do circular economy practices. Like today, if you wanted an ultra durable bottle, if, uh, you know, filled with a, your favorite brand of um, uh, laundry uh, detergent, it'd be very hard to find one. In fact, it wouldn't even exist. So hopefully those will be emerging uh, in the next few years. And then over time, people will uh, uh, really support those while we are increasing recycling rates and, uh, and uh, doing things that um, help solve the current status. Any, any more generic numbers like you know, we're recycling two percent of the world's waste right now. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, like you know, percent. Yeah, I would say you know, yeah, that, that that's a good point. You know, if we're at two percent today, you know, the goal I would say is first let's take the percentage going down into our, uh, you know, going down. So let's take the percentage that is going down into uh, into our oceans down because uh, that's at a very high percent right now. Twenty five percent of the world's waste ends up in our oceans. We need to uh, stop that, um, and then of course increase recycling rates from a globally two percent or three percent rate to significantly higher. These are some of the key things that uh, that we need to um, uh, you know start thinking about. Okay, and how do you feel after um, X number of years doing this, starting with worm poop and now in twenty one countries and dealing with hundreds of waste streams? I mean, has your dream changed? You know, how do you feel about the impact you've made through your company? 
Well, I feel like we've done quite a lot of great work. You know, we're really happy about that. But I'd say that the, you know, I'm what I'm sad about is that the problem is so big uh, that I just wonder, um, wonder what'll happen in the long run. You know, I wonder if humankind can solve it. And uh, so that's what uh, we're hoping to help with, but it's not easy. Yeah, you know, last last question or so. I don't want to be a, a downer, but do you feel like we're close to a tipping point with <clears throat> uh, resources either running out or places to put waste running out or damage to the oceans reaching a critical point? I mean, what's your feeling on all these things? What are your thoughts? Oh, I completely agree. I um, I do think we're in a very negative time right now. Uh, and uh, I don't know what the tipping point will be, but it's definitely we're not on a positive trajectory. And sure, companies like TerraCycle are doing what they can, but um, we're doing way far as a, as an overall species. We're doing way more damage than good. Okay. And yeah, last two questions. Um, yeah. What's the company's plans over the next? You mentioned a couple of initiatives. Maybe we could restate them. You know, what's the in the next year? What's coming? And then what are your, you know, like five or 10 year goals for the company and your initiatives? Sure. So I'd say, look, from a, uh, our goals are obviously to become bigger and more impactful every year than the year before. Um, some of our big initiatives are we're, uh, you know, aggressively scaling up our work in uh, marine plastics and ocean plastics. We are um, going to be launching a hyper durable distribution model, which will be a whole rethinking of how products are made. Um, that's probably going to be pretty yeah. dynamic. And other than that, we're we're growing. We just opened in China. We're now focused on opening in India. Uh, so we're also looking at more markets and uh, and so on. And then you know, in five years, who knows? Maybe we'll go public, or you know, it all depends. Um, you know, we have to sort of get there and then decide. All right. And then uh, last question: How can interested listeners get involved with TerraCycle on any given level, whether they're a company, an individual, et cetera? Sure. How can they get involved? Well, the, the best way to do it is go to our website, TerraCycle.com, and then depending on how you want to get involved with us, whether you want to collect waste, whether you want to join our team, whether you want to you know, partner with us, uh, everything uh, you know, will, uh, will be answered through our website. Okay. Tom, I, I don't know if other people are loving this interview, but I just personally loved it. I got a lot out of it, and I really, really appreciate you taking the time to do this. This, is, this was great. Oh, my pleasure. Happy to chat. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.